Welcome everyone to our Cat's Pyjamas Conversations mini-series which is called Communicate Well. In this series we're going to talk to communications professionals about all things health and well-being and in this episode I'm delighted to be talking with Rachel Royal, founder of Blue Lozenge, um, about being a living organ donor. So welcome Rachel. Thanks Carrie-Anne and thank you for inviting me. I can't wait to speak to you. Thank you so much for agreeing to share your story. So um, I've known you for some time, Rachel, from the healthcare world. Um, but I wondered if you wouldn't mind by starting out uh, telling us a bit about you, uh, what you do and your communications background. Thanks, Carrie ann Yes, it's very exciting. So I've just recently set up Blue Lozenge, my own consultancy business, and we specialise in healthcare comms and engagement. And for me, it's a great opportunity, really, to bring together all the different things that I've worked on through my career. So I've worked at London Ambulance Service, I've worked at the Department of Health, at Cabinet Office. So it's a really, really great opportunity for me to just kind of bring all of those things together. And in particular, what we're doing is we're working with integrated care systems and we're supporting healthcare leaders and comms teams on both complex projects and kind of supporting them in leadership and engagement. Brilliant. And I'm so excited to, to kind of watch your journey with Blue Lozenge unfold. So congratulations uh, on setting up your own business. It's super exciting, Rachel. But um, I know that's not what we're uh, here to talk about today. Um, so I've never knowingly met a living donor before. Um, but I so I feel very privileged, I guess, that, um, to hear your story. So um, I was hoping you would uh, start out by telling us a bit more about what your journey has been like as a living organ donor? Thanks Kerri-Anne. So I guess my, my living donor journey kind of started a few years ago. My partner Matthew, he has a hereditary polycystic kidney disease and whilst he'd been the fortunate recipient of a donor from a deceased person, by the time we were together this had started to fail and he needed a second kidney transplant. And my, my thinking was pretty straightforward and we, we talked about it, we talked about it a lot, obviously we talked about his health quite a lot. And I said, well, it's okay, you can you can have one of mine. <laughs> so what well, was probably quite flippant at the time. But with the with the knowledge that um, donation success rates for living donors are higher and he's already had a donor and, and, it, and unfortunately it hadn't worked, I thought let's just get tested and then let's see if it's viable and we can simply go from there and kind of make our decision as we, as we go along. And the, the testing process, um, I, I, I don't know if you, if you know about this, but the testing process is really rigorous for donation in our country and it kind of needs to be by law to help ensure that you fully understand the risks, that there's no coercion or pressure. And so we, you, you have to go through a number of physical tests. So they test your blood, your urine, there are radiology tests to determine your suitability, blood type test, tissue typing. And then there are also psychological tests and interviews as well from a mental health perspective to ensure that you're compatible. And also to make sure that the person isn't kind of paying you or, or offering to buy you a Ferrari, which sadly I, 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 I've, never, I've not got a new car out of it or anything like that. Get that offer. Um, yeah, definitely. But, um, but I guess I guess the you know as we as we progressed through the tests it just became more and more um, a realization that it was a possibility and then in July 2019 at St George's Hospital a day to be remembered forever um, Matthew walked me to the um, to the operating theatre where we we kind of underwent the operation on the day. Oh my 
goodness it sounds well I don't know for somebody who's never experienced that before it sounds quite dramatic and you talk about it with them with such ease Rachel (laughs) I'm I'm guessing it was something that you did out of love which probably makes it uh, much easier for you to kind of come to terms with and talk about but I wondered um what have have been if there have been um the kind of personal impacts on you as a, a living donor it's quite it's quite interesting really because we both sometimes completely forget that it's happened um although I do have to kind of avoid using it as leverage whenever we have an argument or a disagreement for for anything because that feels slightly unfair um but um regarding um, the impact of kidney donation there are a lot of things to think about because the decision doesn't just affect you it also affects your family and your children. And I and I guess I'd describe it and the impacts of it both as emotional and physical. So on the emotional level, before you go through the process of kind of donating an organ, I had to ask myself some really difficult questions like what would happen if one of my children wanted or needed a kidney in the future or became ill. And then I also needed to ask the questions, for example, of what would happen if anything happened to me during the operation. So, you know, who would look after my children and those those kinds of things. But I guess that was kind of balanced, you know, as you said, you know, thoughts of, you know, the person that you love being in the world without them. And also, obviously, you wanting me wanting Matthew, especially to, you know, have time, obviously, with with, with his children and to be fit and well in the future. Um, so in hindsight now, it's all great because, you know, we can obviously say it's brilliant and it's all gone well. And the, the, the donation has been has been su- successful but I guess it's always in the back of your head that you know maybe um, k- kidney donation kind of can last for 10 years some people it can last for 40 but it still doesn't um, preclude the likelihood that there might be a, a point much further in the future where where you know he might need to go through it all again and obviously I can't give I can't give a kidney a second time so so the emotional um, impacts are, are quite big and I think you've just got to obviously reconcile yourself with the decisions that you make and that you've made the best decision for yourself and for the other person and for your family in the time. On a, on a physical level, um, I, can't, I can't lie, it was extremely painful. Um, the nurses at St George's were amazing. They didn't, they didn't let you feel sorry for yourself for a moment. Um, so you were quickly kind of back on your back on your feet and they were helping you with your recovery. Um, but I did take full benefit of all of the pain relief. I've got a few permanent um, battle scars to show for my effort. So kind of quite a big scar across my tummy, which I guess is pretty similar to a cesarean scar and a couple of scars where cameras were inserted to help. Um, And it it, it, it took a few weeks to recover and return to driving and sport and all of those kinds of things. But my friends were amazing. One of my besties sending me a supply of cooked meals following the operation. And so now I'm I'm totally back back, back to normal. And I, I kind of like to blame some of the weight gain on um, on the donation it's probably it's probably more due to due to lockdown I love that yeah the lockdown waste we won't talk about that Rachel <laughs> impacted most of us sadly um you talked a bit well a lot about kind of the em- emotional uh, ramifications of making that decision so I just wondered sorry it might be a bit of a curveball question but Obviously, you, you said you spent a lot of time talking it through with Matthew and your family. Kind of, did you feel the pressure of time to make the decision, or did you feel like you had kind of enough time to be able to to take that measured decision? Um, it, the, the process, just by virtue of the testing, um, is quite a, a long, drawn-out process, and I think that acts in your favour because it really gives you the opportunity to think it through and to talk it over. So you can't kind of make any 
rash rash decisions and so i think with 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 that in mind the the, the time is kind of built into the process in and of itself and and i was a little surprised really because um one of the, the the conversations i was i was kind of most dreading to have was with mum and dad because i kind of i expected them to to disapprove and i guess mum's still a little bit freaked out that something that grew in her tummy is now in someone else's body so that's kind of a bit a bit a bit strange um but dad dad was also super sweet and he just kind of said you know i know how happy he makes you so he was entirely supportive I think it would be much more difficult if you didn't have the support of your family and the people around you. Um, but me and my parents, we've always been quite open about conversations, you know, whether or not it's about relationships, whatever, that we've got quite an open relationship. So I guess it would be more difficult if you're in an environment where you're not used to being open and having some of those 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 difficult conversations. But I didn't I didn't once feel um, feel um, pressured into it and the timing with St George's was kind of negotiated on 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 both sides really to kind of fit in obviously with with our kind of work schedules to fit in with um the health and well-being and we were lucky enough that the the rate of decline I guess in Matthew's kidney wasn't really it wasn't a really fast decline it was kind of a very very steady decline but it was very important that the donation happens prior to going on to dialysis because then it can be, be, be much more difficult. So um, I guess you've touched on it a bit in that answer, but what would you advise other people who might be considering organ donation, whether living organ donation or, or after they've passed away? I, I guess a d- donation, donation is, is such a personal, personal choice. And I think some people think that because the legislation has changed, you don't you don't necessarily need the conversations. But we're still seeing that, unfortunately, some people's organs are not donated because people haven't necessarily had a conversation with their loved ones. So that conversation is really, really important. And I guess people who need um, a donated organ, whether or not it's from a living person or someone else, I guess I've observed from the experience that I've been through that people who are poorly, they are reluctant to have that conversation because they don't want to go and ask their friends and family if they'd like to get tested to see if they'd like to donate their kidney to them. Um, so if you've if you've got someone, if you've got someone that you know who's got a similar disease to the one that I've described, I'd really encourage you to have a conversation about whether or not they may need donation in the future and whether or not they've had that conversation because whilst you might not want to go away and get tested yourself, it will encourage them to open up and have a conversation with their friends and family and and I guess just to give you some of the, the statistics around it there are around 5,000 people in the UK that are waiting for a kidney and it's the most common organ to be donated by a living person but 250 people die each year waiting and that, that, that that's five people a week will, 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 will die in the UK those are probably pre covid figures and we know that obviously some of the um operations and things have been delayed post covid so the picture's probably a little bit more bleak even than that so i would really encourage you to think about it and to have that have the conversations with the people that you love gosh and, and when you put the numbers to it like that rachel it really brings it home doesn't it how much that affects people um and that, like you say that's just one aspect of people who need a kidney so if you think about all of the other types of donation that people need that's yeah makes yeah. impact on people's lives so um i wonder have you used your experience as a, a professional communicator to champion the cause of organ donation thanks carrie that's 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 a 
brilliant comms question. Um, so, so I, I, I have, um, we've, we've um, I mean, some, some simple things, which obviously every, everyone probably does, um, which is, you know, birthdays, things like that, making sure that I link it to the charity page, etc. Um, but one of the things that I was very um, privileged um, to, to help with was the patient information as well. I, I'm quite an operational comms person. I like to fix things that are wrong for patients. And um, what I was able to do with the team at St George's is take a look at all of their patient information, their leaflets, look at it, simplify it and help to make sure that it communicated uh, to future um, people who were going to be living donors that, that the right information. We were hoping to go and do a session actually, which I must kind of um, follow up as well with the patient um, group where pre-COVID they were getting people along to kind of come and share their stories as well. So that's definitely something that we'll be doing in the future. Brilliant. And I love that really practical aspect of how you've used your both your personal experience um, through the process, but also your your comms experience. So that's really great, Rachel. And I would expect nothing less of you than doing that. So um, I've really appreciated you taking the time to share your personal um, experience and journey today um, and also to raise awareness of a really important issue. So thank you so much for doing that. I'm, I'm sure it will have um, you know made people think you've been listening to this and they might want to connect with you, find out a bit more. Um, and equally, they might want to connect with you um, around blue lozenge and how your work can, can help them so what's the best way for people to find out more and contact you Rachel? So I am on Twitter um, at Rachel Royal um, or you can find me on um, on LinkedIn um, so yeah so those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me. Brilliant and we'll make sure your contact details go in the show notes with this episode as well so I would just like to say um, firstly thank you so much for being a living organ donor I feel very humbled to have been able to have this conversation with you and to find out a bit more about what that experience has been like and thank you so much for sharing on our podcast Rachel it's been a pleasure.